Welcome back to the seventh episode of The State of Us. It's been about two weeks since I last recorded. Well, it was on a Tuesday, so it's been exactly two weeks since I last recorded a podcast. And when I started this podcast, there were certain things I wanted to do. And it simply, I think, was a little bit too much too soon. In that I was aiming for these 45-minute long podcasts uh, with, and frankly, that takes a lot of a lot of time to set up and to research and to formulate thoughts. And if that is not put in, then it becomes not enjoyable to listen to. If somebody is stuttering and looking for things to say to fill up that time, it needs to be a cohesive well-planned experience for your listenership. And for that, I'm sorry to everyone who is listening right now. The other thing is I can't simply expect you guys to listen whenever I drop a new podcast if you know nothing about it. So I need to be planning these things ahead of time and let you know what they're going to be about. Otherwise, you're not going to be excited to check back in and look at what I'm posting and really care what I have to say. So again, on that second point, I am sorry. I have a lot to learn. So, to conclude the introduction, from now on, the podcast is going to be 15 minutes long. Unless, here's the caveat, unless I have a guest, because then that obviously adds a new dynamic. And if you have two people speaking on a subject, it's going to take a little bit longer. So for guest episodes, they'll be 30 minutes long. For episodes that is just me in my apartment recording by myself, it will indeed be 15 minutes long, not 30 seconds over. So, to conclude the introduction, let's talk about the political news going on. Let's talk about the utter failure of both parties in this country to grasp how this coronavirus is affecting middle-class and working-class people. I I saw a statistic that 40% of small businesses are expected to close by the time this is over. Why is this happening? It's because Mitch McConnell and the Republican leadership and the Democrats, Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, they pretend to hate each other. You know, in the, in the news, they write op-eds in the Washington Post about how much they hate each other and they won't work together on anything. But the broad reality is that uh, about 80% of legislation that gets passed, well, I mean, not even legislation that's introduced, is actually passed. This seems like a good thing, you know, bipartisanship. That's what they're always telling you. Yeah, well, that bipartisanship is to hand all of the legislation over to the corporate donors and backers of these politicians and to steal from the American taxpayer and small businesses and individual citizens. That's what we can see. We've seen these massive bailouts, very bipartisan. I think the only Democrat that didn't vote for them was AOC for one of them. Now, I'm not a big fan of hers, but at least she's principled. At least she can stand against these people. They're all willing to say, well, the rest of the members of the squad, the, the progressives, 
These are people that were backing Bernie Sanders, the Green New Deal, all these sorts of things that they want. And no, they just pass Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer's, Mitch McConnell's. They pass these spending packages that give everything over to these big companies, over to these massive conglomerates that often pay nothing in taxes. Maybe not often, but we certainly know of examples. Amazon, zero in taxes last year. That still jobs. They rob communities of their pride by closing down malls, et cetera, et cetera. Yes, we have to modernize, but we need to make sure that the vast interior of this country, with the exception of 15 cities and the coasts, is not the only part of the country, is not the only 40% of the country that sees any benefits to any rise in GDP or any economic numbers that we watch the Dow Jones and, and all the other indexes. We need to make sure that these other businesses and towns and cities and rural communities are taken care of as we modernize. So this coronavirus has just accelerated all of this. Small businesses can't keep in, in business. They can't pay their rent, its operating costs, when we have effectively shut them down. They can't do business right now. Rightfully, to, to stop the spread of coronavirus, to, to you know, protect the, the citizenry and the vulnerable populations, which is elderly people and people with pre-existing conditions. Obviously, we don't want this to spread. We don't want more Americans to die. But also, at what cost? People are going to die of suicide, of misuse of alcohol and drugs, of depression, of all of these things as a result of closing effectively all of any kind of small business. Why is the Smiths allowed to stay open, but my local, I don't know, my local cafe isn't? That doesn't make sense. You don't stay six feet away from people all the time when you're shopping. You walk past people. Half the people aren't even wearing masks. It's because the people who own Smith's, Kroger's, and everything else have influence in Washington. Your local convenience store, or, I mean, not convenience stores, those can stay open, but your local restaurant, they don't have lobbyists in Washington. So the small business fund dries up, but yet there's, there's still even more money that's going to be bailed out to these large corporations, the airlines, the insurance industry. That's really the battle. Republicans suddenly care about national debt. Where was that when we passed a 800, almost $800 billion uh, defense spending package so that we can bomb people in Yemen? Is that something that threatens our national security? I mean, sure, terrorists might want to attack the U.S., but they're not going to be any less likely to do that after we go and bomb Yemen with the Saudis. Ultimately, there needs to be a reckoning here where somebody needs to bring up the fact that the real battle at play here is the Democrats want to bail out the hospital and insurance industry and the Republicans who suddenly now care about the national debt. I mean, it's not, it's not like we're getting rid of the national debt. It's something over $20 trillion by now. If we really cared about that, we would have to cut everything. That includes the military. That includes veteran benefits. That includes all of includes all of the 
subsidies for oil and gas and everything else that Republicans are happy to spend money on. But the small business fund, no, that can dry up. I'd like to get some input on these subjects from a couple different viewpoints in the coming weeks. So I'd like to say, take someone who's more libertarian. Then I'd like to take someone who's more authoritarian, not necessarily in terms of force of rounding people up or whatever, but just, you know, big government proponents from the left and from the right establishment circles and well, not circles, but establishment minded, you're likely Joe Biden voters. And people that are that are that are more looking for something else, populist left and right. I'd like to get some some input. I mean, there's some phenomenal people that do work on established shows. Tucker Carlson has some extreme viewpoints, but on many on many issues, he genuinely has the the average American middle class or working class person in mind on his show. The same on Rising, Crystal Ball, Sagar, and Jetty. These people notice this kind of stuff, but I'd, I'd be interested in knowing what us, Generation Z, I've talked about before that we're the leaders of this generation. We're the first ones to emerge into the, the abyss that is adulthood. And it'd be interesting to get some thoughts. And not just of Americans. I know, I mean, I grew up in South Africa, so... 50% of my audience lives there. And we can talk about that. It doesn't need to be in the context of U.S. politics. This is a global issue. It happens all over the world. So I'd like to line up those guests. And hopefully that will be entertaining to listen to. And you might be thought-provoked if you haven't really thought about it before. Because ultimately, the political discourse has to move away from these very like black and white. Like, oh, on the one hand, you have... Donald Trump, who who can't do anything right and is a, you know, he's a Nazi because he wants to stop immigration. You, you have to read past the, the racist remarks about African countries and Haiti in order to have a broader debate within your mind. You can't simply shut down anybody. I don't care. Fine. You're libertarian minded. That's fine. There's a lot of abusive power in big government. But you can't just be like, oh, yeah, the founding fathers, you know, we're not supposed to have any welfare or anything. You can't help people. You just leave it, you know, leave it to the free market. That's what you do. Well, I mean, we've seen that, what that yields. What's the What, what would the free market do with, with coronavirus? Well, it would just tell people to die. People's lives don't mean anything under free market economics. The only thing that matters is money. So as long as people, I mean, most people don't die, let the old people die. That's effectively what the free market would say. So you have to be able to listen to other people's viewpoints. You can't be against government spending when it's for the military. I mean, look at the vast amount of money that, that the military spends on sending people to school, healthcare, et cetera, et cetera. It's a, minil- it's a miniature socialized system. Yes, you're doing work, but every person does work. Most people do work. Whether it's in the private sector or the public sector, I mean, I get you're, you're putting your life on the line. I get that that's a factor in it. But ultimately, a lot of people don't ever leave the U.S. when they serve in these branches of the military or many of the other uh, government positions that yield these pensions and benefits and health care and everything else. So 
unless you're against all government spending, then I then we need to have a talk. We need to have a talk about really what you're against. Are you against young people going to college or are you against government spending? Are you against some redistribution of the wealth from people that literally make millions of hundreds of millions of dollars in a minute? Or are you, are you I mean, is that something that you really think should be happening for doing nothing? I mean, there's only so much money you can even spend. So I'm going to I'm going to get some different guests lined up on here. And we'll be com- we'll be tackling that in the coming Tuesdays. And if I if I don't have a week where I can get someone on, then we'll dissect what's going on. It's largely the same thing. The battle between you know, people that are more populist minded that somehow I managed to escape the greed and graft of the Washington circles that earmark all of these. I mean, it's not even earmarks anymore. It's very plain what these bills are, what these spending packages are. They're not, they're not even pretending. They, they tell you straight up, well, the small business fund has run out of money. Then they fund it for two days, and then they send a, you know $500 billion to bail out the insurance industry. So... We'll, we'll cover it. We'll see what Trump does. Trump's more populist-minded. There's people in his circles. There's certain senators, Senator Cotton, Senator Rubio, that see what's going on here. But then you have Mitch McConnell. You have all of everything that Mitch McConnell represents. I mean, he recently literally prevented aid from going to Kentucky, one of the poorest states, Something that the that the previous Republican governor was voted out for. This is in Kentucky, solidly red state. The governor was voted out because he opposed he opposed giving teachers a, a decent teachers and other public employees a decent reward for all of their time and sacrifice that they make. This is not a profession that makes an incredibly large amount of money, and yet it is such a vital profession, especially for a more rural, less educated, and poorer state. So I don't know. Mitch McConnell might be voted out. We'll see. But there is some people on both sides of the political aisle that need to learn to work together in order to do something about this because it's only going to get worse. 40% of American businesses closing, small businesses, that literally means that all those towns where you have even not local businesses, even you know, big national conglomerates closing, malls. Small businesses don't stand a chance. Stick a bunch of fast food restaurants in there. And effectively what you're doing is taking all of the money out of the inner areas of the country. You're taking people's money through the fast food restaurants and the cheap clothing stores and Walmart. And yeah, that's a little bit cheaper for the consumer. And those in the suburbs with, you don't think it's coming for them. Things are fine right now. You know, you can go and get a cheap cheap fast food. You can get it. Oh, you can get it real quick. You don't have to worry about if it's in stock because the supply chain is always, it's always there. Mass producing stuff, hormones and everything else. Importing half the stuff from China and Brazil. But ultimately it's coming for you as well. The professional class will be pushed aside with automation or outsourcing things to third world countries, just as the working class was. So we have an opportunity to stop it now, and we'll talk about this in the coming in the coming weeks.
And I'm open to new viewpoints, but it's it's something that honestly, if you're not concerned about this in whichever country you live in, then you need to wake up because there's these people with a lot of money and a lot of influence and a lot of power all over the world that simply don't have the best interests of, of the citizens and the people who work for them that they're in charge of in mind. So I think that's this is going to be it for the seventh episode. I don't want to go over the five minutes. But please share the show with your friends. I, I, I know that it has not been incredibly well planned. But the coming episodes are going to be top quality content. And I'm going to be back. This is something I want to commit to. I'm not backing down. This is my comeback. So follow me on Instagram. E-M-X-R-I-L. That's my handle. Follow me on TikTok, E-M-E-R-I-L underscore C-B. Not related to the podcast, but do it anyway. And tell three friends about the show. I'll see you guys on Thursday for a wildcard episode. Have a great day.